You're listening to the I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the I-5 Corridor podcast. Tyson Alger here with Brian Cook. He's the owner, founder, and CEO, yeah, I'll throw a CEO in there, of uh, Lombard House here in North Portland. Uh, Recent winner of the 2022 Oregon Beer Awards Best Beer Bar. Uh, They got it it right. Uh, Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of... There's there nobody beat you, right? Mm, I mean, I'm I don't know if I can say that, but uh, <laughs> I was uh, very happy to win, shocked okay. to win. So yes. we'll, we'll 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 get into that in a little bit. Um, this is just kind of a podcast today about uh, um, good beer bars in Portland, summer camping spots, just kind of a usual uh, uh, or unusual run of the mill summer podcast. But but before we get into uh, your big win, I saw I saw a tweet today from the Old Gold Brewery, I mean Old Gold uh, Bar on North Killingsworth, and they they're remodeling, and basically they sent out a tweet like, "Does anyone want our back booth?" And it was just like a photo of like the back corner booth. It was like underneath like the champagne button. I don't know oh, if yeah. you've been in uh, yeah. Old Gold before, but I was just thinking because that was probably my first favorite bar in Portland. I'd go there after I was on a softball team. That's where we would go for post-game stuff. And I was just thinking, if you could have any piece of memorabilia or like something like that from a bar in Portland, hmm. what would you take? Goodness, that's a great question. Huh. What would I take? Here, while, while you think of that, I'll, I'll talk about the... Uh, before we started recording, Brian put on... A, I'm currently wearing the Oregon Beer Awards medal. This thing is... You wear it well. It's pretty nicely. It's a, it's a little yeah, tight around the neck. A little neck, tight though. around the neck, yeah. yeah. Um, what would I take, man? I think I would take that pressure cooker from the real men and uh, cook some fucking fantastic fried chicken here. Yeah. Um, this I, couldn't, actually, I couldn't take the vibe. But this is probably the same size as real men. Oh, uh, it's oddly, it's a little bigger in the back. It's deceiving. They've got the pool tables and stuff. But Yeah, that's a good point. But, um, yeah, if I could just, like, seize that smell... That beautiful fried chicken smell. I'll just have it like waft through here without having to do any of the work. <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. That that was that was one of those places where um, did they did they stop during the pandemic? Like there was they like did. There, yeah, there was a worry that like they were gonna like completely close and like that's a bar and restaurant that has somehow survived the complete like remodeling of southeast where it's it's just kind of like a lone little bar that's like surrounded by like these kind of like fancy high rises now and then for like the pandemic to get them it was like no like yeah it looked like they were gonna go under and then they came back i just had like a beautiful bromantic date with a shilpi from uh logson we went to the doug rayberg 420 show at helium comedy club awesome celebrated appropriately yeah and then went to real men and were the first ones in line for chicken so it was like a magical evening. So you you went to a 420 show at Helium, then got fried chicken. Yes. Nice. Well done. It seems Couple like it seems like chickens. you're doing this. The, it seems like you're yeah. doing this Portland thing well. Yeah, I'd say so. How how did this become a Philly bar? Well, I was born and raised about five minutes outside of Philly, um, and it kind of more slowly. I mean, we I planned all along to do the Eagles games just because I had a crew of friends that we got together anyway. Right. So I figured, why not? You know, have the bar become that. And then, um, as you might know, I believe you know, uh, my friend Jake's father is Oris Kinderchuk, original Broad Street bully, uh, two-time Stanley Cup champion. His, uh, his, his photo is actually just photo. right above. He's got a couple black eyes, a nice hair. mustache. Yeah. I believe he calls it his porn stash. 
Uh, also, if you're a fan of podcasts, my dad used to play hockey. I'm really glad you said podcasts and not porn there. Yeah, if you're a fan of, yeah. If you're a fan of either. Yeah. Uh, um, Jake's uh, brother, Zach, has a great podcast called My Dad Used to Play Hockey. Um, for any fans out there. Who, what, a, what a great name for a podcast. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a great one. Uh, but we're blessed with uh, Mr. Kenderchuk's uh, stick, which he played during his career. Um, and then uh, we also have, he donated his uh, personal team photo from the second year they won the Cup. My, my um, favorite artifact you actually have in the bar is you have the album of their... Uh, um, of their championship oh, yeah. right? Yeah, or, I actually or, have that at home now. Okay. Um, have you actually listened to it yet? Or is oh, it still it's in the still in the, It's still in the um, in the cellophane. Is How, how hard is that? Because like I, I feel... I framed it. So I can't really listen to it. And I'm also... I did fail the Portland thing because I have no way to play vinyl at my house. So I might be an abject eh. organ failure. Like, I've, I've gone through like the cycles of like every... Like, I think we got like a... I think we got a record player for like our wedding uh-huh. and it... Had a nice spot on uh, the table for, yeah. We probably gave it like a good year and a it half. It looked cool. Yeah, it looked yeah. cool. Um, but then it ended up just like having stuff sit on it, and um, that was the end of our vinyl career. Yeah, and yeah, our Philly, our Philly them here. Like as you can, we're we're joined today by Mr. Randall Cunningham. <laughs> We've got a more than life size cutout of him that was recently donated. So over the years, some of my personal memorabilia has come up, but then. Everyone and anyone from Philly and Portland who has an item they love but their significant other didn't, uh, it, is, it has slowly worked its way here. Um, complete with even my buddy uh, Jeff and uh, his lovely partner Dina got me that uh, Lombard house autograph from, from Pete Rose. Pete Rose, diving who's in a Philly first. and not a Red, it, in it my was, opinion. I, I saw him, uh, my, my friend AJ and I, um, we went to Cooperstown in 2016 for Griffey and Mike Piazza's induction. And uh, the coolest thing about Cooperstown was, you're, I mean, it's like a village one. But then, like, you're just, like, walking around and, like, any little, like, baseball shop you'd pop into or whatever, like, in the back, they'd always have, like, some random dude signing. It's like, oh, there's Lou Pinella, there's so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was, like, obviously we, like, saw Pete Rose there, too. Who really? Was, I think it was, like, $80 minimum. Yeah. for anything and he would sign anything like there was kids walking out with like i'm sorry i bet on baseball and like <laughs> just 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 complete sellout it was uh it, it was such a weird thing though because it, i you know i've never seen pete rose in person before and then you're just in this small town that like feels like the size of like st john's here yeah and uh it was like you're just seeing like all your favorite baseball players it was pretty cool i like that he was awkwardly hanging out at Cooper's. Yeah, so, right. It, yeah, it's just like, it's like, like the people going, who almost get in. Going to your ex's wedding or something, you know, yeah. it's pretty uh or <laughs> or, or or like like the kid, the kid who's like fake ID doesn't get him into the bar when yeah. his uh you're just hanging out outside. Actually, I uh my my first round here in St. John's, I was a uh I interned here in 2010 and I lived in a house with four other interns um who all went on to like much better careers than than I have. And uh, I think I was the only non-21-year-old in the house. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we, we were on a place on North Crawford, like, right by that dog, whatever that dog park thing is now. And uh, everyone in the house, they would call it the perching hour, where they would just go walk over to the perch. Like, they're all, like, 21-year-olds and yeah. just having a good time. And, like, I would just, I didn't have a good, I didn't have a fake ID. You were Pete Rose. And, and Yeah, I was Pete Rose. And so it was, I was, I just... You know, made sure my room was the cleanest one in the house. Like, got all the dishes done and and welcomed them all back home for. 
and they used and abused you. No, I tried to sneak in a couple times, and it. <laughs> no, they're pretty strict. You know, say what you will about the perch, they don't mess around at that door. That was actually the the, I think the first time I actually ran into you was or like met you was came here because you opened up in what was that like 2016? Yep. Opened here in 2016. You gave me the wrong credit card back. Oh my God! Yeah, and you were down. To and that. then so we went to the perch. I think it was a friend's birthday, and uh, I bought a couple like opened up a tab like asked for my card back they were like we don't have your card and then you found me on facebook messenger the next day was like hey dude i am so sorry about and so we got all that figured out and like uh been coming back ever since we met yeah yeah i just thought it was like a like like what what bartender like randomly because i didn't know you owned the place at the time well still i've that was the third time in like 21 years i've done that (laughs) and like each time i've oddly been able to find out where the card went, but I have one job, just hand back the right card. Because what happens is people are like, that's mine, because everyone thinks they have the only red, like, U.S. bank card in the world, or like, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, so you opened this place in 2016. It's, if you if people haven't been here, it's maybe 10 feet wide. Yeah. Maybe. It's 12 by, like, 30. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of a bit of a hut, but you've turned it into just an awesome collection of like memory it, it just feels it feels like your personality and i think that's probably the the best thing that you can describe a, about a bar um do you think that if you didn't turn this into like the philly bar like you'd like like how much do you think that was kind of like a part of like making this into because I, because like that wasn't your goal like your no, goal was like, to open up like a good beer bar, a beer bar. Yeah. yeah and like and it's weird because like i sometimes worry that the philly thing is taken over a little bit too much Especially, like, since here I'm from Philly, but back home I'm from Glenside, which is five minutes outside the city, but a major difference. Yeah. Uh, almost as if, like, St. John's wasn't actually part of Portland. Right. And it has a very similar pride. Um, part of why I picked St. John's was had a similar feel. But, I mean, yeah, my goal was to be more beer bar heavy and just neighborhood, neighborhood bar heavy. But I think it really started with the Lombard House Phillies. So, like, the first year we opened... Our little league team went twenty four and zero, and won everything in Portland. And I converted all these little kids to Phillies fans, and the parents started wearing Phillies hats. And then I feel like I kind of got the ball rolling on, you know, there is almost a little too much Philly memorabilia in here. I'd, I'd say, but are you are you just waiting for the day where one of those kids finally turns twenty one and they just turn into like man, man, like. What a great team that was! Oh man, so, so I, I hope I hope that isn't our glory days, but that would be a yeah. Yeah, we just had the twelve-year-old who lived next to us when we moved in just came in for his twenty-first birthday beer. My wife and I purchased our home nine years ago, and that was like kind of a trip. Like, yeah, what are you doing here, dude? You know, I'm twenty-one. It was a kind of a yeah. Start starting. We're we've been open long enough for like weird stuff like that to start happening. Why why do you want to open this? I've always wanted to open a my own bar. I worked in the industry. Well, I I oddly taught at a drug and alcohol treatment center and a juvenile detention center for a bit. But other than that, I've been in the beer industry like most of the last twenty years, and uh, got lucky enough to work at some places where I learned a lot. Even at some places where maybe the experience wasn't great, but I still learned right. what works and what doesn't. But, I mean, I've generally been lucky. Like, I worked at some of the best breweries in Portland and met some of the best people. Um, I've just kind of always wanted to give it a shot myself. 
and I'm historically kind of hard on authority figures, and that includes bosses. So I, I, I respect that. One. If I'm going to yeah. be an asshole, I might as well be. Yeah, or, or if you're tough gonna, on myself, or, or if you're going to fail, it might as well be on your own yeah. accord. And, yeah, and also, yeah, it was kind of a. Uh, it just felt like it was time. I just become a father, which again, the timing's probably insane, um, but I just wanted to know that like. My paycheck, my income would be based on my hard work and not like someone else's decision. Right. You know, I, I had a few. It's nice that my input, right or wrong, is like generally what guides the decision making. Yeah. It, uh, it had to have been a bit of a trip because, like, you opened, like I said, you opened up in 2016 and then, like, you got pretty unanimous, like, positive reviews. Like, you got a ton of press initially. Like, I was just looking up, there was like William at Week articles, there was, like Oregonian about like this, just like what everyone experiences in here of it just being like a very homey, community centric, like good beer bar, and then the like the pandemic just seems like it just it wasn't cool, yeah, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> you know. But it was also like I think it was good for me as a business owner because I'm a new, I'm a first time business owner, and we were on a th- my in laws who now live in St. John's had lived in Hawaii their whole lives, so we were on my first three week vacation away from the business on the plane reading about this like weird virus in China and then the day before we flew back everything got shut down here so it was like I left and the world was normal I came back and well we we were shut down but I was actually at like this like the ver- the perch of uh, Oahu with what's, my father-in-law what's, what's uh, the name it's oh shoot what's the name of it um Mojo's oh yeah Mojo's shout out to Mojo's um and my, my brother-in-law describes it as the taint of Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. Um, but I had like five or six margaritas and smoked half a joint with a regular out in the... And came back in and I was like, you know what? I'm going to call the OLCC and see if I can just start a delivery service. Right. And I called them and, you know, I didn't mention I was drunk and half stoned. But uh, it turned out it was super easy. It was like a $100 um, new permit. And they waived it because uh, people were, like, calling frantically trying to figure out how to stay open. So, like, we landed at, like, 1 a.m. and I delivered my first beers at, like, 1 p.m. Seriously? Yeah, we, were, we, went, rolling, we went rolling early, but it was, it was, it got weird, man. I drove around in that Volkswagen for, like, nine months all day, every day, delivering, like, super expensive jars of beer to people I knew were basically, like, handing me charity money because it was not the easiest or most efficient way and if you were a good friend sometimes you saw me like you'd order at like noon and you'd get it at like 10 and I was all frazzled (laughs) you know uh, I mean I mean you you are leaving out the part where like occasionally like like you you delivered beer to my house a few times and like one of those times it came with like an Eric Lindstrom Philly Flyers uh or sorry 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 Eric Lindros Lindstrom Eric Eric Lindros uh like it came with like prizes. It was like getting oh, yeah. a happy meal. Yeah, but. you have to get you have to get happy with it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was fun. We we got creative with it. Like my buddy Louis Longmire, who I actually didn't know pre-pandemic. I knew of him and had gone to his place, but he's one of the owners of Laurel Thirst and like like a solid rock of the Portland music scene. Like I reached out to him and we came up with this um, beer and music delivery service so for an extra 25 bucks you got like a mini concert in your driveway oh shit and there was two weeks where we were the only live music in the whole state of oregon so that was like fun and i met kind of one of my heroes in town like you know and it was cool he um 
he seemed like he was struggling a little bit with like, like what the hell are we gonna do? And like it wasn't a big money maker for us, but it was fun to watch. Like neighbors would come out and be like, "What the hell's going on?" And then, yeah. you know, I got a little, you get a little teary eyed the first time yeah. you hear live music for a while, and you yeah. see people like hanging out again. So. Well, dude, like the, the the first time I saw live music coming out of the pandemic was the first um, Brian. Uh, this was last summer. You you started doing. Um, some live show like just very very small live shows in the back of the bar here yeah um just with the goal of like supporting these musicians like you know i i think as you know we're all in kind of not like the entertainment but it's like entertainment service industry like i don't think a lot of people thought that like music like thought the impact of like oh how much like, musicians were getting kicked in the the can by i had some too. friends who like were just making it um like local band like very dear friends of mine fruition like they had busted their asses for like 12 years busking and touring and they like had so many dates canceled you know like uh some of those guys are in the band tk and holly know nothings like when the pandemic sort of ended and then things got shut down again like this is how these people make their living you know and it's not i think a lot of times people just flippantly or they don't realize how much it's an art form that needs to be valued and like it's great if the bars all survive but if none of the musicians can stay musicians well, well, especially because especially like, yeah and like what were we doing the entire time we were locked in our houses it was like watching netflix and like entertainment and like all those sorts of yeah. things like would have been would have been far far yeah. worse without that well and i think the thing to remember too if you're going to go see live music like those people are not out of it and even like as a bar like well intendedly people would be like oh you're back and it's like Sorta, right? right. Like we're almost like we're about seventy percent of normal, but a lot of you know a lot of people, especially musicians who like they rely on that income solely, and then like having to do side gigs. Like a lot of them, I would imagine, are incredibly in debt. You know, so if you are gonna go see live music, make sure you tip really well, and um, and you know, don't hesitate to pay a lot for a cover. How how, how difficult was it running something where? People, people come to a place like this either to, like, relieve stress or, like, to have, you know, it's just basically, it's, it's kind of a service for, like, people to get away from whatever, like, their lives a little bit, yeah. too. But then, like, having to essentially, like, you know, you're treading water the entire time yourself, too, to, like, basically, like, you're, you're providing, you're providing a service for people here, but then, like, still kind of, to kind of maintain a everything's fine <laughs> yeah you know i just a dear friend of mine was this in town and she's a therapist and like i think i almost insulted her when i was like it's not at all the same clinically but like for a lot of people you know i lived alone for a lot of years here didn't know many people so for a lot of people this is like their social outlet right and for you know luckily for a lot of our regulars this is like a second home so on a good day um, sometimes I have a hard time maintaining that <laughs> facade, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was, um, it was very difficult to be honest with you, but it also like, it was sort of a gift, right? Cause a lot of people were isolated and oddly my job was to, I got to be social. I got to see a bunch of different people. And then I was like, well, I kind of need to embrace the fact that like, I might be the only social interaction this person has this week. So like, yeah hell yeah, I better fake it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, you know, I can't be venting to them. I got super weird in here a bunch of nights and like, you know, would listen to like sad ass music and (laughs) wind up having to leave the van here and walk home. But, uh, and my friend Mezcal helped a lot. But, uh, yeah, it was, 
I feel like it was, um, again, like, it was tough, but I think about, like, my dad's generation had kind of, like, get drafted into Vietnam, and, like, my grandpa got, like, handed a rifle at 19 and was, like, go to a world war, and, like, it was hard, but I was selling beer in Portland, like, and I was still, like, having a social outlet, and, like, my wife was, like, a nurse during this, right, like, actually, like, working to save lives in the middle of the pandemic, so, like, it gave me a lot of perspective, like, um, it was hard, but it wasn't, like, compared to a lot of other situations, like, it fucking sucked, I'm not yeah. gonna lie, and, um, it wasn't really till the Omicron wave that I actually flew close enough to the sun that I was like, hmm, like, we could possibly go out of business. Right. Know? But, uh, yeah, it was just, like, a weird wave to ride, and, like, I feel like getting through it made us stronger. And oddly, we gained a lot of new regulars, because I'd be delivering to, like, your house, and then you're, you know, some neighbor's like, what, what the hell's this? Like, yeah. How do I get beer? And so I probably met 20 or 30 new regulars randomly delivering to other people, huh. and... And I think it kind of strengthened my, like, ties with some of my regulars, like, who I saw. Oh, yeah. You know, like... Well, I mean, like, like a, everyone had about 10 people that they were seeing consistently yeah. during the pandemic. And it's like, it's like you got the... Ma- as, as I described it, you were uh, the pandemic milkman for me. Yeah. <laughs> I've always joked to my wife that, like, I have, like, a maroon 87 Vanagon. So, like, if you didn't know who I was, yeah. you're, like, some... Like St. John's parent, you're like, who is this creepy dude just crisscrossing St. John's for the last nine months wow. in no random order? Well, um, I I know you said it's it's you know it's it's getting close to being back to normal and those sort of things, but like, um, since it got back to that, like, have you had a favorite day like back mm-hmm. like where it's just like, man, like mm-hmm. this this is why I'm glad yeah. the bar survived. Well, it was weird. It was about two weeks ago, and um. It was just a good mix of regulars, and uh, we have this old, this regular couple, and you know they call themselves the old gays that hang out here, Roger and Mark, and they're just these two beautiful dudes. Like they have, they're like a little May December romance. I forget how old, you know, Mark is, but they're just hysterical every time they come in here, and they like to like brag on like how long they've been regulars, mm. and then. They just introduced themselves to this younger couple, and then everyone who came in, like, they were sort of the door greeters, and then I was out back, and I, like, heard these people talking, and they were like, oh, my God, we're your neighbors, and there was just this night where, like, I heard people, I didn't, and it, it, like, I didn't have to orchestrate it, right? The bar was, like, doing what the bar does, like, and it was just super funny, and, like, I just kept looking up front, and they had more and more people are joining this big table, and it was just, like, a wonderful... I got, like... I was just standing in the back, and I was like, it's back, right? Like, I don't care if the money's back. Like, it's, it's what just, it's supposed it's just, to do is It's just back. kind of like yeah. a sound almost. Yeah, like, and just, like, the... You know, the sense of community was back, and people weren't afraid to, like, shake some stranger's hand or, like, sit near each other. It felt great. Yeah. You know, that was probably my favorite... Um, that, and we did have, uh, my friend Taylor Kingman played a really intimate show here, inside, um, and that was just a really special night for me, because it was just, uh, it was dead silent. Like, I've never been to a show where nobody said a word. Really? You know, and he's just a bit of a poet, kind of a dark poet, and um, it felt like a group therapy session, huh. you know, and I looked, all during the show I looked around, like, people were, like, crying, and people were just, like 
feeling the feels. Um, but as the bar, the way it lives and breathes at night with everyone just interacting was like, it was, it put a lot of wind back in my sails, you know. What What did it mean for you to tie with beer mongers for best best beer bar? I mean, one, it was a shock. Um, yeah, I told you the week before, like, wear a suit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, and actually, perfect timing. Happy birthday, Sean. Uh, so, Sean Campbell, owner of Beer Mongers, turned 50 yesterday. He's over in England visiting his good buddy Christopher. But um, he and I are pretty tight on a personal level. And then he's also someone, like, I spent a lot of time hanging out there when I worked at the Commons. I spent a lot of time there over the years. He's someone I, like, greatly look up to. They're in a whole different league, I would say. I mean, they've been open every day, they like, 4,000-plus days. But And they're a little bigger. There is a little bit of, I'm not, like, I tried to emulate the vibe they have there. Like, I've been to birthday parties. I've been to wakes. I've been, I was there for the Lillard shot against Houston. Like, there's a vibe. You go in there, and it's like a family, and it's a vibe, and um, it's, like, kind of an intangible thing. And so I'd be lying if I said I didn't, like, try to like steal a little bit of that right. in our business plan so i really in a million years didn't think we would i didn't think we'd win this year at all i thought maybe someday but i didn't think i don't know i just it was a shock it was but it was fantastic and it was like it was a greater honor to tie with him than to like right win alone you know yeah. Well, and then you don't have to like go up there by yourself. Dude. Well, I did have to go up there by myself. Oh, no, that's and it was funny because Sean, I thought Sean was home with his daughter who was sick. So I was like, I gave this like, I don't remember what I said because I, I absolutely blacked. <laughs> I wasn't drunk. I'd only had two beers, but I completely yeah. blacked out from fear once I like got on the stage. I'd never spoken in front of that many people. Um, but I made the speech about like, he's a good dad. He's home with his kid, and apparently it was like comedy hour at beer mongers because they were having a bottle share. <laughs> he, he, was sitting there, he, he was sitting there watching. Um, yeah, and so yeah, but it was it means it means a lot, and like the whole crew over there, and like I don't know, and like he and I he and I are dad buds together too. Like we both have little girls around the same age, and um, so we do. Yeah, I can't I. I could gush on and on about it, but yeah, it just, it's hard to articulate, but it means a lot. One, one of my favorite things about following, um, your guys' Insta, like the, the Lombard house Instagram, which, which you run is, uh, more often than not, you're promoting other places more than your own bar here. And like, I, I love, uh, just like seeing like the random places you're either getting like lunch or like <laughs> dinner or like a beer somewhere. And that's, that's kind of what I wanted to pick your brain about with this podcast is today is where should I eat or drink next week? Oh, you, should, man! Like, like, give me like. Well, the number one like, glaring, like, like we were just talking about Tulip Shop Tavern, yeah, and that's which, where which I've, I've got to start off. Yeah, and also speaking of like, I would say quietly one of the best beer bars in town too, even okay. though it's not known as that because they do everything so well. Like, far and away, the best bar food I've ever had at a bar in Portland. Absolutely, in my opinion, no offense to any of my other friends who own restaurants, mm-hmm. the best burger in town. Run by like two of the sweetest. Are we are we talking like like Smash Burger they're, style? They're like, like a, a like a tavern burger, like yeah. Smash Burger style. But um, I think a little more. It's 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 certainly a Smash Burger, although they didn't get any love in the Willy Week, which I think is a glaring oversight. But uh, it's not just a Smash Burger, right? It's modeled after um, a tavern burger at Loretta's, which is a little south of Seattle, and um, all the food they have there, both Tyler and uh, Devin 
their parents were like bar people, um, and so they spent a lot of time in bars as kids. So it's their menus kind of modeled after their favorite bar right. food. They hand make all of their uh, corn dogs. Oh, I mean, they good. have really killer. I'm not a big onion rings guy, but I get them there because they're so they're so good. Um, and then the tap list is crazy. Like Tyler has is from Seattle. Spent a lot of time in Seattle, so he's got a lot of like one-off stuff that no one else is gonna get. Um, cocktail list is amazing. So if you've not been to the Tulip Shop Tavern, you have to go. That's definitely some place um, I would certainly recommend going. Um, I've been seeing like a ton of social media posts just because of the way it looks. For uh, is it Steeple? Steeplejack. Steeplejack. Yeah, it's it's. Absolutely and, they, and, they, gorgeous. and they just opened up a, a second shop out towards Beaverton, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, they just opened one of them. I haven't been out there yet. And so Steeplejack is like, it's like a redone church. And it's like, it's kind of impossible to describe. You have to go sit there and experience it. And yeah, they make great beers. And I'm friends with both the ladies who brew there. Although Annie um, is about to move to the other Portland on the other side of the country soon. So ah, disappointing. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's an amazing spot. And then, I mean, I'm a big fan of Ruse. I don't know if you've been to Ruse. I haven't been to Ruse. Another, I mean, you can't miss. They just don't make bad beers. Um, Grains of Wrath has a new spot on Williams. And there's a bunch of food options you can bring in. I, another sleeper, I think one of the best beer bars far and away in town is the Bridgetown Beer House. It's on Shaver. That's another similar vibe. You go in and everyone knows each other. Um, I'm a big fan right down the street of Tiny Bubble Room. I don't know if you've been I, there. I, I, we, were, we were there two weeks ago. Like, what a cool addition to, oh, to Lombard here. And it's like, it's just so cool because he went there as a kid. Like, he used to go eat there as a kid. What, what did it used to be? So it was, um, it was the, I think it was called Lung Fung. It was a Chinese food place. Yeah. And then Tiny Bubble Room was the little sidebar. And it was weird. Like oh, I, I didn't know that. I, I, I never went into the tiny yeah. bubble room because like it had a very weird name, and I'm like, I don't know what's gonna happen when I walk to the store. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I was a little, I was a little yeah. nervous. Apparently, it was an amazing bar. Mm. Uh, but Jeremy, he, he owns Roscoe's and he owns Cerevesa, and so I don't know if you've been at Roscoe's. Yeah. Like they're going to add like the sushi into what used to be the tiny bubble room part soon. Oh, awesome! Yeah, but and like quietly, one of the craziest like liquor menus you're gonna see in town. I've never been anywhere else that has like a couple different pappies on the list like all the time. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting someone who's going to be like, hey man, how come you didn't? Oh, my alma mater, Upright. Yep. So they uh, just took over the first floor in the left bank building. So there's like much, now you don't have to like not be able to find the basement, which I, I don't know why that's so difficult for people. I once had a woman call me saying she couldn't find the brewery. And I'm like working there and I'm like, well, we're in the basement at the left bank building. She's like, I'm in the building. Well, you can take the stairs or you can take the elevator. And this woman said to me, I'm on the stairs. And I was like, well, I don't know how to tell you what Go. to do if you can't find the basement. Like, when, the, <laughs> when the stairs end, <laughs> that's where the basement is. So now it's easier to find. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I remember she goes, is that supposed to be some smart-ass response? And I was like, well, one of us has to be smart. Yeah. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> just, just let gravity do, yeah. the, do the work. Was, you know, her. we all, I, she was trying to chill out. Is, uh, I was going to ask you some beer questions, but I really just don't want to ask, like, are IPAs still in? Like, I mean, I have a very, yeah, I mean, I've always been a West Coast IPA guy. 
And they're making a big resurgence, what, I think. What is a West Coast IPA? So it's a typical, like, picture, like, pallet jack. You yeah. Know, that's a classic West Coast IPA. Like, the non-hazy. Um, hazies are still in demand, but there was a while where, like, that's all people drank, I felt like. And for my palate and then for my stomach, yeah, I haven't really, I haven't been a big fan. too acidic. Yeah. yeah. And um, I kind of like the more classic styles. And then... And as I get older, and especially it's good for summer, like, again, I like the IPAs, but they don't always like me back. Yeah, so exactly. I've been, doing, I've been doing a lot of Pilsners. And yeah. Like, you know, our, our house beer is the Upright Engelberg Pils, so if you go to Upright, give that a try. And then, um, oh, another place, please absolutely go patronize um, Ex Novo, which is right up the street from Upright. Um, not to, you know, bring it down, but... Our good buddy Ryan Buxton, he was head brewer there. He uh, like lost a battle with depression recently, so their staff—I don't know how they're doing it—but they're back working. Mm-hmm. So go in and throw a bunch of money at those people because, you know, fuck working through COVID. They're working through like some serious pain, and uh, and also Pearl Haggard, their like flagship uh, pills, uh, won GABF Gold, Oregon Beer Award Gold, I want to say. And they have a crazy good uh, premium pilsner. They're new pilsner out. Hmm. So, um, yeah, go hit them up. Pilsners are uh, a good pilsner. is kind of tough to find sometimes. You know, and like, and they're so good when they're good, yeah. and when they're not, they're they, just, they, they, it, it they, just misses. It, yeah. Like, like if it, if it's not warm enough, or sorry, if it's not cool enough, and like it just doesn't, it can taste a little spitty. Yeah, you know? I know what you like, mean. Yeah, just... I mean we're blessed here because like between. Wayfinder, Heater, Allen, Chuckanut, Upright, uh, Ex Novo, um, Von Ebert makes like one of the better pilsners around. Um, Forland, Sean Burke, old coworker from um, Commons, like he makes like an exceptionally crisp, clean pilsner. Like we have a, I feel like, you, I kind of take for granted how many good pilsner makers there are in this town. I mean, Heater, Allen, goes on and on. Um, Frame Pills is like yeah, I like I like amazing. that one. Unfortunately, you guys can't get access to the best beer in town because that is immediately after a men's league hockey game out at the Beaverton rink. Is it the vitamin R? They, uh, no, they, they switched from R to bottled kokanies and they wheel, they wheel it in, in oh. a, in an ice chest of a, um, I might be able cooler. to, it's been hit or miss being able to get, I was doing kokanies and replace. Of you a, were doing them with the cans though. Yeah. See, the key with kokanies is they have to be very cold in the and, bottle. And I, I got yeah. you. Cause we do the check var bottles and they're pretty spot on but there's some people who like make the case of like beers because technically beers don't they hold better in a can or they're supposed to be more uh, of their true now self? i mean that was like not a truism before but now i would say it is right there's no like no issues with light um I don't know, man. there was a I, long I, time where like every canned beer had a little bit of a taste from the actual like can itself right but they've come a long way i mean beer yeah Beer in cans probably certainly ages better, but I know what you mean. Like, um, oh my goodness, can't draw a blank on a. But like, take a Sierra Nevada, like in the when it's cold enough that a hundred percent that the label peels off. That you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like it, that. That is the per- the perfect the perfect example. Yeah, it's like it's almost like the version of like the the Coors Light mountains turning blue. If that label's peeling off like a Sierra Nevada, and you're like, oh this. Perfect. Where are you camping this summer? Uh, I and I asked that because um, again, because your Instagram I used to post 
yeah. pretty often about uh, the lamp camp up in Long Beach. Yeah. And my wife and I, we've since gone and camped there like four times. Yeah. And it's incredible. It's like one of my favorite spots, not only just because of the access to the beach, but like they also do have like amenities if you want to. Yeah. You know, play, play games morning. or barbecue and all that sort yeah. of thing. So we, we definitely, and shout out to the Lamb Camp, because they're actually owned by a couple who um, owns a home here in St. John's. Oh, they I live mostly up there. Um, and yeah, the Lamb Camp, if you haven't been, it's up in Long Beach, Washington. It's sort of outside Long Beach. Far and away the best like facilities I've had, like a campground. It's right on the beach. Really, uh, they took like 50 some spots and made it like 25. So there's like plenty of room in each spot. They have shower facilities. They have like a little room you can play in if it's like raining out. They have a big barbecue area where you don't have to like dirty your own grill. You can like kind of cook communally. Yeah. And that, you know, that's always fun. Going to Camp Cape Lookout with uh, my daughter's in first grade. So her little group of friends and all the parents were all going camping. Oh, good luck. At Cape Lookout tomorrow. It'll be, it'll be fun. How's the weather supposed to be? Um, it looks like it might rain. Yeah. But I have like a big old ten by twenty easy up and Oh perfect. We'll hang out. And then uh you know, I have a few secret spots I'm not gonna mention, but um I'm a big fan of You know, we're uh, just gonna wrap this podcast up oh, and you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um a real good one if you wanna get away quick is uh Camp Creek campground. It's like out in Welch's. Okay. It's like right off the road, it's like a forty five minute drive, but it's just like one of the little it's in you know, in the forest there. You can hear the road, but it's just like a nice little quick getaway. We hit that up a lot. And then um, I have a couple spots, like just on forest roads up on Mount Hood I like to hit up. How did you get so into camping having grown up in Philly? So we had a travel, this, this we had a travel for, trailer This is also kids. for someone who's never been to Pennsylvania yeah. and just assumes that it's city. Yeah. Well, I, it, I guess you do have a bit of farm country. Pennsylvania's tons of farm yeah. country and mountains and like... You go up, so you go down the shore to go to the beach, or you go up the mountains, right? Okay. And so I, I actually went to college in the Pocono Mountain area of Pennsylvania, which was like, it used to be rural. Now it's like, kind of like New Jersey. Right. Um, but we had a travel trailer as kids, um, so we'd go camping. And then I was actually like a wilderness guide for adjudicated youth for a bunch of years. Really? My first, my internship and then first job, like I worked for the Denver Department of Youth Corrections. And these kids would be in these halfway houses and part of graduating out of it. It wasn't like a, by any means a tough, it was like these cool trips that you or I would probably pay to go on. But I did a lot of like, you know, like week or two week, like backpacking experiences. Out cool. So I've always, you know, I'm not a religious person, but like the outdoors is kind of my church, you know. It's, it's something that I'm trying to get better at. And it's not because I've been like opposed to, to camping. Yeah. Um, but just like growing up, like my weekends were it's either hockey. hockey or baseball or yeah. like those sort of things. Um, and like my, my family's really good at it. My wife's really good at it. And um, we're we're heading out uh, next week for we're going to Florence first, and then uh, making our way out for a friend's wedding to Missoula. And, and so we have a couple spots picked out, and uh, I think I'll survive. Yeah, it's fun. I'm I'm kind of a glamper now. I'm not gonna like. Yeah. I'm not like doing a lot of backpacking these days, but. Especially with a seven-year-old, you know, like... It, it, it is fun to, like, throw, like, one of those in, at, like, every five years or so. Yeah. Just, uh, we, for another friend's uh, wedding a few years ago, this was, this was like, the second month of COVID. And so it was, like, that first month, everyone's kind of still, like, oh, like, this will get back to normal. It's yeah. fun watching TV and, like, ooh, Zoom. And then, like, that second month is when kind of, like, the darkness began yeah. to Yeah, like, oh, this is real. In. But we had... I, I had a friend who... Um, 
his bachelor party was going to be floating uh, the Green River uh, down in Utah. Oh, nice! It's beautiful. And it was there. it was uh, we were going to put in Friday, get, take out on on Monday. It was Memorial Day weekend, and uh, all of us had bought like plane tickets to go down there. And like this was still at the time where it's like, oh, can you yeah. like should you fly? Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so me and my buddy Ruben, we were like, well, let's not fly, but we're going to drive. Mm-hmm. So we drove from Portland straight to Salt Lake. Uh, and it wasn't so bad when we got down there, but like, you know, it was a, a canoe trip where it was basically like when it starts to get dark, like find a place to pull off on the river yeah. camp. And like, that was so fun. It's so much more work than like bring your van up to yeah, like, the spot. No, for sure. And then, uh, and then we, we got out on Monday, pulled out on Monday and, uh, this is letting you into the, the dumbest conversation I've ever had in my life. Um, we got back to Salt Lake at like 5 PM Monday. I thought Ruben, my buddy, had to work on Tuesday morning in Portland. He thought that I had to work Tuesday morning in Portland. <laughs> it wasn't until about like rolling through a gas station at 3 a.m. in Boise on the drive back that we both realized that neither of us had to work the next day in Portland. <laughs> so did you camp out at a gas station? No, we, like at that point, it was, you know, we had enough Red Bull coursing through the system yeah. where it was like, we might as well trudge trudge through this thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Sounds like something my friends and I would do. Uh, all right, last, last thing here. We'll get you on record. How are the Eagles going to do? Man, I am an idiot because I'm very hopefully optimistic. Um, well, you guys got, you know, got every, you, got, you got Devin Allen coming into fall camp, you know. You know, he's pretty and he can run fast. We'll see what he can do. But, I mean, we A.J. Brown, are you kidding me? We got N'Kobe Dean in the third round. I don't know who that is. And I cover. Oh, well. You'll find out. (laughs) He was one of the better prospects off Georgia. He had some shoulder issues and fell to the third. But, I mean, we – I think Jalen's set up – he's set up with everything he needs. So, if he he can't do it, then despite his, like, wonderful leadership and great personality, then he's not the guy. But I have a lot of faith, man. He's playing with a bunch of his Alabama teammates. He's got, like, A.J. Brown's his best friend. You know, his left guard and him played together in college. Like – his, his number two now wide receiver and him played together in college. I mean, I – and we had an easy-ass schedule. It's a pretty – I'm not always a big fan of Mr. Calvert, Portland, <laughs> but he thinks we're going to go 8-1 and one to start the season. Okay. Uh, which means we'll probably go, like, 2-7, two and, two and seven, but – I don't know if this is just me getting – I, I sometimes go back and forth on whether or not being, a, like, a sports reporter full-time has, like, kind of killed some of my love sports mm-hmm. just because I don't know what it would be like to be, like, a normal 32-year-old yeah. sports fan. But, like, the one thing that, like, I just have zero uh, – I think it was, like, two weeks ago they had, like, the big schedule releases, yeah. and, like, every team goes crazy for that. Like, I hate like, it. Like, like, the Chargers put out, like, their – you know, they probably paid somebody $100,000 to make that video. It was, like, an anime thing. But – that that'll take up like four days of talk radio coverage of like, all right, like who has the toughest schedule? This or like you know going one by one. Like I have, I, I'm an NFL fan. I follow the Seahawks. I could give two craps about like a May schedule release. Like it's well, just it's, uh, I hate that they drip it out over a few days because right. it's just like it's such an obvious power play. Like yeah. we can we're doing this because we can. Yeah. And I feel like and you idiots will like eat it up. But like and obviously. You are waiting to see it. Um, but also the thing to remember with schedules, like you're one injury away from that schedule being meaningless, right. right? If your starting quarterback goes down or you have like your starting center goes down, like it doesn't matter if you're playing a shitty team. Like it's a crapshoot. 
I was going to end this with your uh, with getting your thoughts on Chip Kelly, but I'm trying to keep this in a you know, in a non-profane. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna. Chip's not allowed in here. Sorry, Chip. But uh, I don't think he, the reason we made it to the Super Bowl was because of some of the. He made some very questionable trades, but some of the draft picks that he picked up wasn't a big help for us. I think he was a little man in a big man's world when it came to the NFL because his whole MO works in college. His offense worked in college because even in D1, there's only a few dudes on that field who are making the pros. So a lot of his gimmicky offense, and I mean gimmicky, but it was sort of gimmicky for the NFL. Like when those D-backs are as fast as your running back, it kind of failed. And he didn't know how to treat grown-ass men as professionals, you know. I mean, he did trade our all-time leading rusher straight up for Kiko Alonso and his two bad knees. Um, so I think that says a lot about what kind of, like, he wanted yes men and not. And, no, and Shady was pretty shady off, you know. he was. Right. I don't agree with a lot of his behavior when it comes to, like, women and other things. And he's kind of a scumbag off the field, so maybe that's why they got rid of him. I'm sorry, Shady, you're a bit of a scumbag. Yeah. Um, and you know what? You can't come anything. We're going to be fair. Uh, but uh, Chip... I don't know. I think you're seeing what with in UCLA that like he's not very dynamic. I don't think once you figure him out, it he's is the it guy is. who like finds his niche and does it well, yeah. and then isn't so great at adjusting adjusting that niche. Don't get me wrong. Week one, his first year when we blew the doors off. Oh, you, Washington, you thought you guys were? Gonna, oh, I was like ready to like make love to him. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was. I loved him. Yeah. You know, and the problem with Philly, I'll never forget my first Phillies game. Playing, playing the Expos, Schmidt comes up in the first inning and everyone boos him. And I was like, Dad, why are they booing Mike Schmidt? And he's like, he went 0 for 4 last night. And I was like, wow, <laughs> man, we're mean. So it's hard to keep love in Philly. Yeah. We're not very nice people. Well, you're a very nice person. And thank you. I think a lot of people think that. And I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. And uh, yeah, if you don't subscribe, <laughs> you should subscribe to the i5 Corridor. Yeah, if if, uh, if you're listening to this and you come by the Lombard, I'm making up a deal as we go yeah. here. If you're listening to this, you come by Lombard House, you mentioned the podcast, Brian will give you... A dollar off a, your beer. A do- only a dollar off a beer? Man, God. And a back rub. Bingo. I will literally rub your back while you drink the beer. Well, that, that sounds kind of weird. Or I just... I5corridor.com. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'll rub your back. Yeah. You're listening to the I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider.